and welcome to the first episode of my new series on continuous provision in Key Stage 1. The purpose of this series is going to be to share with you step by step how continuous provision works in my classroom and helping you to have a greater understanding about how you could install continuous provision in your classroom. One of the most important things to remember though is that every single classroom and school is unique. So everything I share with you works in my school, but will need some thinking about when you go to install it in your classroom. So I look forward to sharing my whole term with you where I'll be going through planning, going through around expectations and also sharing the outcomes of the continuous provision. So I hope you enjoy the series and let's get started. I'd now like to talk about the layers of provision in your classroom and how I set up my classroom to achieve effective continuous provision. So it's made up of three different tiers as such. And Alistair Bryce Clegg creates a fantastic pyramid about these types of provision that you can find in your classroom. So the basis of this, not typically at the bottom of the pyramid, is the continuous provision. Now, this is the foundations of which success can be built upon. This is ensuring that the provision you provide is creating opportunities for the children to regularly access resources that are going to support their learning. Now, when I look at classrooms, typically the first thing I want to see in a continuous provision environment is that the children are able to access things independently. If that's not happening, effective continuous provision at key stage one level will simply just not happen because you'll constantly have children coming to you and saying, can you show me where this is? Or I don't know what I can do in the environment. So my first tip for this is to ensure that you spend an adequate amount of time getting your children familiar with the environment. And when we're talking about transition from year R to year one, for example, or from year one to year two, because the children are in different environments, you need to ensure that they are familiar with how this new environment is going to work. So setting aside a few weeks where you simply let them play in the environment, you model what the children can be doing in the provision to them. It's essential, otherwise it, the whole thing will just collapse. Now, on top of that, we have the enhanced provision. Now, the enhanced provision is how I see and how I get the curriculum into my provision. These are some setup activities around the classroom. They're books that I've strategically placed around the classroom that meet the needs of the national curriculum. So, for example, with this whole topic in mind, my next topic is living things in their habitats. So types of things that I might be doing with regards to enhanced provision is that I might be strategically placing books on habitats and living things around my small world area. I might try to highlight some of the animals in my small world area more and some of the ways that they could create habitats with the materials that we have in there. I might also try to ensure that there are non-chronological report templates that are available and they could see them more freely. Now, when we're talking about enhanced provision, I like to go back to the supermarket analogy. By this, I mean that the continuous provision is just generally how the supermarket is set up. Now, when you go to your local supermarket, I bet that you are able to guide around the shop as if you had your eyes closed because you know exactly where things are. You don't need to constantly ask the staff there, oh, can you tell me where this is? Can you tell me where this is? Now, once you have established that and you know that, 
The next step up, like we said, is the enhanced provision. Now, this is when you have special offers that are available. You know, those promotion things that you find at the end of supermarket aisles. Well, that's like enhanced provision. This is why we're trying to dip ourselves, uh, the national curriculum, into the provision itself. So like I said, books on the topic, more toys that are related to the topic, things that are going to excite the children, artifacts, if you're doing a historical subject, for example, that are going to foster um, and encourage children to ask questions, be intrigued by the learning and hook into the learning. One of the most essential things about ensuring that key stage one provision will work effectively is having children hooked onto those curriculum topics. If you look at my independent journals, the vast majority of stuff is related to the topic that we are covering. And that's because I invest a huge amount of time into ensuring that the enhanced provision that is happening around the classroom is linked directly to the topic and it's going to bring it alive and hook my children in. Now, the next layer on that, and this is only point that you can get to this layer is when the enhanced provision and the continuous provision are working hand in hand is when you start introducing adult-led or learning challenges. Now, some people refer to these as rainbow challenges. I refer to them as learning challenges. And learning challenges are the way in which you're going to set the expectation for what should be happening in the provision. Now, these are challenges that you expect to be completed by the end of the week. Now, one of the questions I get asked a lot is, what happens if the children don't complete it? Is there a punishment? No, there is not. And the way we get around this is at the start of the topic and start of the unit, what happens is there's a significant amount of time invested into coaching and mentoring our children into knowing that actually you need to handle your time well and you need to ensure that you are dedicated set amount of times to particular challenges. And we coach and mentor them like you would coach somebody that was struggling to um, meet the teaching standards in their training, you wouldn't simply tell them you're wrong and going to punish you for this. You'd coach and mentor them to ensure that they know what they should be doing to be effective and successful. Now, these challenges are directly related to the national curriculum. They are set out and they are direct products of the provision and progression maps that I'm going to show you in the next slide. Now, all three of these things are directly related to the outcomes that I expect in my classroom. The adult-led learning challenges and the enhanced provision, I expect this to go in the curriculum journals and the maths books. Now, this, this book contains the children's responses to both the challenges and the enhanced provision. The reason this is, is because it is not what the children are doing independently. It is because I am saying, this is what I'd love us to learn about, and this is what I really want us to learn about, and therefore I want to collect it in my curriculum journal. The continuous provision is going to provide opportunities for independent learning. And this is where we will find the children exploring and using knowledge in different ways and producing their own individual outcomes. Now, I've also said that enhanced provision can feed into this. Of course it can. An example, a 
fact, uh, an artifact about space. So for example, in my last setup of the classroom, we had newspaper articles, actual genuine newspaper articles from when moon landing happened. Now this led children to creating their own independent newspaper articles. I did not set that up as a challenge, but they had decided that they wanted to do that themselves. So they put that in their independent journal because it is unique to them. So what I would say is that in a curriculum journal, you're going to find the responses to your challenges. And these will look similar. They'll obviously be differentiated um, to ensure that you are providing every opportunity to support children wherever they are. And in the independent journal, you will see individual responses. All 30 books are not the same at all. Okay, now I'm going to talk about the different types of planning that you could use to ensure that your continuous provision is effective. Now, planning is something that I don't often talk about. And people often ask me and said, oh, can I see some planning examples? Can I see this? And I don't tend to share this because I think it's such an individual thing to do. One thing I would say is probably not individual is long-term planning. As you can see, this is the long-term plan for this year. It's an overview of everything that's going to be covered topic-wise throughout this whole academic year. Now, obviously things have been disrupted due to COVID, but we are going to continue from summer. So on that summer columns, everything that I am going to be covering in this series, so shape, measurement, living things in their habitats and science, and DT will be doing a, a DT week, which I'll share with you when we get to it. Um, we're going to be looking at locational knowledge in geography. So some big, big topics. Now, from this long-term overview, my next step is to look at my progression maps. Now, progression maps let me see what children should be doing at what age group. So as you can see, let's look at location and place knowledge. As I said, we'll be doing this in geography and I can see what year one and year two children should be expecting to do at that age. So, for example, they should compare and contrast localities in UK or they compare and contrast the world's seven continents and five oceans. So I'm going to ensure that my progression maps enable are you sorry to enable my children to access the national curriculum? What I'm going to be doing is looking at these and thinking, right, what tasks could I set? So these are going to be adult led or what enhancements could I put into the provision to ensure that my children are accessing the national curriculum at the age expected levels? So some of them are going to need more set up approaches. So more adult led or challenge based learning whereas other challenges could be done via the enhancements that i put into the provision so this is really really important and someone say, might say where do you get this how do you design this well this was done for a lot of hard work sitting down looking at the national curriculum ensuring that our progression maps covered the breadth of the national curriculum so once we've done long-term planning i've looked at the progression maps the next stage is when I'm coming to my challenge planning. Now, this is a um, incomplete challenge mid uh, grid at the moment, but this is me playing around right now before we go back and before we start this next term with some ideas that I'm going to be putting into place to ensure that I'm covering the curriculum. These are going to make up my learning challenges. So whenever I say oh, I've got six, uh, four learning challenges in my weeks, this is what I mean by it. This is why I'm planning for that. 
how do I formulate this? How can you formulate your own one? Well, at St Paul's, the school that I work at, we tend to have this motto of don't reinvent the wheel. So what we tend to do is use things that are out there and adapt them to suit the needs of our children, not just picking up schemes and dropping it onto uh, the children. Instead, looking, evolving, adapting, and then putting it into place. So, for example, all the writing outcomes in my plan for the next six weeks are derived from the power of reading scheme on LEAF. So they are products that are writing outcomes that are said to be achievable for using the power of reading. Now, I also have a generating thoughts uh, column when I come to planning. And this is a new thing that I started to do last year. And this is using some of those power of reading um, techniques like drama or conscious alley or techniques like that that we're familiar as in a more formal environment and using them to really heighten the writing outcomes that I'm going to get. And um, then you can see I've roughly put what I should be covering. So this is how it all starts. Like I said, this is a rough template. And as we go through the week and um, as I show you how this next coming week is going to go, I will come back to this and show you what it looks like. Uh, as we go through the term, because this is not a set document. This can change and evolve based on the needs of the children. So I might identify pretty early on that actually our locational knowledge is quite poor. So I might need to adapt my planning. And again, you can see I've got a set of science investigations. I like to have a science investigation a week that we're going to be completing that are to do with living things and the habitats. And this is just the Hamilton scheme being used and adapted. And we're going to turn them into investigations throughout the week. Now, that is the process of which I go for my planning from long term to shorter term. And I don't go into the whole, how am I going to differentiate this in my planning? What I tend to do is learn with the children, support the children, and I enable them to access the learning by learning with them. And so some of you might be saying, how do you model these? How do you demonstrate the kind of expectations? Well, I'll explain that in the next couple of minutes, but I just wanted to show you these examples of how my planning looks. But I want to reiterate that planning is individual and there will be different expectations from different SLT teams. So for example, my head teacher very much says it's over to you. Um, and this is what I've come up with to kind of meet the needs of my children. I'm now going to take you through individually those layers of provision that I spoke about previously. And the reason I want to do this is to tell you what I'm doing to prepare for this term and to take you through how that might change over the course of six weeks. This is simply at this point in time, what I'm planning to do. And as I said, the point of this series is to show you how my planning and my expectations might change and adapt over the course of a whole term. So, in terms of the continuous provision in the environment, this is not going to change really at all. It stays the same. The fundamentals of how my classroom are set up is going to stay the same as it did in the last term and the term before that. So there will still be the independent journal section. There will still be the area that the children can go and get their manipulatives from. There will be the writing wagon where all the different templates for writing that we've covered over the course of this year can be found. Remember, I always said that in my webinars that um, the biggest thing, the greatest achievement that we found for our own sanity was having the things on the far right, which are shadows, where everything has its own shadow, which means everything goes back to where it belongs when the children tidy up. 
So there are certain areas that are in my classroom. And if you've heard me talk about continuous provision before, what I tend to say is stay clear of things like writing areas um, or maths areas. Now you might say, oh, that's hypocritical because you've got a maths area, but under no a stretch of the imagination, can I stress that the maths area in the classroom is just a place where the manipulatives are stored. It is not an area where I'm expecting maths to be completed in. I don't expect to see children sitting around and just calculating sums in that area. Maths has to happen within the provision and the same way that writing does. So I'm not a fan of writing areas or uh, maths areas or set subject areas. Instead, I prefer them to be much more open. So you can see I've got a cooking corner where we have some fantastic recipes uh, that are created, a fantastic writing opportunity and using measurement for, in maths. We have a small world area where children can play with different uh, toys and figures and setting materials and they can use this to tell stories create diaries and it's a fantastic area and i'll show you some of the outcomes by the end of the week because i can guarantee that it's one of the most effective ways that you can get writing outcomes from children like i said we've got the maths area where we store the manipulatives but this is mainly used as an area that children just go and grab stuff and take it away with them we have an exploration center or area and this is where i tend to store the stuff like capacity measurements or I will put magnifying glasses if the topic that we're looking at particularly requires children to observe. So I start thinking this picture in the uh, centre here is the national curriculum stuck up in the back of my cupboards um, and the reason I use these is because I ensure that my provision is providing opportunities for every child to access the national curriculum. So if we're talking about observing over the course of time I want to put things out in that provision that are going to enable the children to do that. Outside is very different in my classroom. I have deconstructed play and that's it. I will show you and I plan on Wednesday on releasing on Instagram, exclusively to Instagram, a classroom tour. And I'll show you what the outside area looks like. But in large, it's a deconstructed place that's full of clipboards uh, with blank sheets and paper on that children can use to write on. Then we have the art area where children can practice and rehearse some of those things that we've taught them and modeled to them in the uh, enhanced aspect of our learning and the adult-led aspect of the learning. And also the woodwork area where children can plan, design, make and evaluate. But the biggest thing I have to go back to is reminding you that this continuous provision to set up your classroom to try to stay the same as much as possible and by, this, by that, I mean, you can add things, as I'll talk about shortly, but try to keep the fundamentals the same, because if you don't, you start to alienate the children and they're not sure how or where they can find things to use to create fantastic outcomes that you, you want them and need them to create. Now, as I said before, on top of the continuous provision, what we also have is enhanced provision. Now, my topic this term is all to do with living things in their habitats. So I've got planned different things that are going to ensure that children are hooked into this topic. And these are the exciting things that you're going to use to bring them on board with you, to ensure that the things that are going into the independent journals are actually things that are um, 
creating through the children's enthusiasm about the topic that you're covering. So we are looking at the book Leaf. So um, first of all, I'm going to ensure there's plenty of copies around the classroom of that book. The children love using books as a kind of way into their learning. I quite often see storybooks being turned into diaries or newspaper articles, but you can only get that when you put those high quality texts into the provision. Then also, like I said, on the planning part of this video is Hamilton have some fantastic ideas for what you could use for science investigation. So each week I'm going to have its own separate um, science investigation tough tray. Now this is more towards the adult led, but it is an enhancement because it's going to really kind of start to um, build up curiosity in the children to find out more about living things in their habitats. And I'll create plenty of investigations using that planning that I spoke about. I will also, over the course of term, set up things like the bottom left picture. This is when we did the Lonely Beast, but I might set up things that are from the power of reading about um, a big role on the wall, about the character Leaf in our book. Or I might put on a um, two alleyways in a picture and I might ask them to think from one perspective and another perspective, another tool that the power of reading use. My small world, as you can see from the bottom picture, is going to have plenty of animals because that's what I want the children to be thinking about. Earlier on in the year, we did cover living things uh, previously, as you'll see in the long term planning. But this is about more about the habitats and the science of that. So I'm going to ensure those things are out, that they're in a position where the children are going to see them and want to take them. But I've also got a duty to go in there and use the enhanced provision. We are doing modelling, so I'm going to put the clay into the art area or oh, I am nervous about this because I do not like when people mix clay and things like that and plasticine, but fingers crossed we can find an effective way to suit that. Um, I also always have a table when I'm trying to want children to obtain knowledge. I want them to be 21st century thinkers. I want them to use the internet. And there's a skill to be learned there because as anyone will tell you from working in a school, if you just give children the ability to access the internet, sometimes they will just copy what they find and I don't want that. So my formula for how I do this is that similar to the bottom left picture where I've got signs up saying, can you do this? Can you find out this? I will set up an area with some iPads where I put some key questions that I want them to find out. I'll also have a use Kiddle.co, which is a safe internet search engine. It's the Google, it's the child-friendly version of Google. And then I will be telling them, oh, I'm using my cameras around the room. I'm going to make sure you're not copying. And I want them to be able to use knowledge, but use it in through and show me their knowledge in their own voice. And then finally, I will also add some more books about polar bears. Since the main character in our new book is about a polar bear, one of the things I want to do is ensure that the children have a wealth of knowledge about polar bears. And if you provide that platform, children will respond in their independent journals using and the books, but also their own love of the topic. And you'll see how that manifests itself over the course of the six weeks. But like I said, I'm sat here in my half-term holidays and I will take you through every step of what this looks like and every outcome that is produced. Now, on top of the enhanced provision is the final step, which is the adult-led and learning challenges. Now, this is where some people have lots and lots of questions about how long do you spend on different parts of adult-led and learning challenges. Well, first and foremost, I model absolutely every single challenge. So this is my first learning challenge sheet for the first week back. 
my main big question that I'm going to pose to the children at the start of the week in a massive drum roll way is what is a habitat and where could we find some example of these? So I'm going to try and build their imagination and curiosity and try to get them hooked from the offset. Now, as you can see, I have four challenges. At the start of the week on Monday and Tuesday, I'm going to keep them on the carpet for probably about 10 minutes at a time. And I'm going to model one of these at the start of the day, just after break, and then the same again on Tuesday. By the end of Tuesday after break, all four of those challenges have been modeled. Now, what that does is it shows children the expectation. It's that more, like I said, there is a place for formal teaching in continuous provision. They are sat on the carpet. They might have whiteboards out. It's more your typical lesson. But some things, knowledge-wise, I just have to do that to ensure that I'm enabling children to see what my expectations are. And we can formulate this as a group. We can talk about things, the challenges, as a group. And I will quite often pull children back to the carpet and do... Uh, think, share, pair, uh, think, pair, share, um, and I will try to get them to discuss what they could be doing to take the next steps. Like I said, these challenges are formulated from looking at the overview, the long-term overview, the progression map, and making sure I'm aware of the expectations of the national curriculum. Now, one way that you could do this, and there are various ways that different schools do this, and how you deliver a learning challenge-based provision there's multiple ways you could do this. I found two very successful ways. There is up to you which one you might want to choose. At the moment, given everything that the children have gone through, given how much time they've missed out, I would suggest this first method. What I would suggest is that you use your learning challenges as your focus group material. Now, on top of this, obviously, I follow the white rose scheme, so I need to ensure that my children are doing two lots of the white rose steps um, throughout the week. But I also want to ensure that my focus activities are going to be used in the most beneficial of ways. So one of the ways we found is quite successful is if you use these learning challenges as focus groups for the first couple of weeks of provision. What that does is it enables you to work in smaller groups and work with those children to show them what the expectation should be on what you are, or the outcomes of your expectations. So I will sit with the children and we will do that generating thoughts idea. We'll talk about what we know. We'll document it in our curriculum journals, which, like I said, are the children's responses to the learning challenges. And um, we might do the challenge together. We might share that as a small group. What that's doing is modeling the expectation for my children, but in a smaller group, and I can differentiate it on the spot for those children that are going to need additional support. What ultimately I'm trying to do is I want the children to take what they've gained from that, take their understanding that this is what Mr. Johnson expects us to do. Then I would want to see them replicate it and taking further the learning that we've done in those small groups into their independent play time. What you get then is a high quality outcomes in the independent journals. Children then know from writing that non-chronological report with you in week one, they know what a non-chronological report should look like by week two, three, four. So they could be doing that in the independent journals. 
but you have to show them. You have to dedicate that time. So that's one way you could go into that with them. You could take them at the first couple of weeks of your provision time and use these as your focus groups alongside your maths. And if you're a church school like us, your RE, which I also suggest you teach separately. Now, the other way you can do this is you could use the learning challenges as the performance and rehearsal uh, approach that I've spoken about before on some of my webinars. This could be to do with you could set challenges that are based around knowledge that you've taught previously and the children have to show that they've gained an understanding of some of these areas. What this does is it enables them to have the freedom and the independence to show their new learning. You don't have the teacher overlooking and saying, oh, I'm not sure you used a conjunction there while they're writing a non-chronological report. Instead, you will have a pure reflection of what children can do in their independent time. If you use it as the, the rehearsal is when you've worked with them previously, it's the learning that you've done as your focus groups, and the performance is when they do it in the independent time and they choose to go off and write a non-chronological report or a diary entry because you've done it previously. So there are lots of different ways. And I would always, always suggest looking around and seeing what your school expects you to do. Like I said, right now I'm using these as a they are the template for what I'm going to do during my focus group activities so that when it comes to the independent learning, they know exactly what they should be doing. Like I said, maths at my school is achieved through white rows, but that's not to say there are plenty of opportunities in the environment for measurement, for using shape, for calculating things when they're doing recipes. But outside play, we have lots of different measurement and capacity resources. So I will follow white rows. I tend to do two outcomes for a week for my children, and I don't do a whole class input. The reason for this is because um, I teach mixed age classes. I teach year one and two. Now, I personally felt from my experience of teaching year one and two that doing a whole class input, you feel like you're trying to awkwardly balance things around. So instead, I bring them into those small groups. I will show them, we'll get them in out, we'll practice, we'll uh, try, try to show them what they should be doing, we'll model it like you would expect, and then we set them off. That will later, if I think the children are able enough to do it, I will set them off independently and I'll walk away. And that's that time for them to independently access a challenging um, scheme for maths so they can access the problem solving and reasoning part of it as well. And you get the opportunity in provision to provide daily doses of maths. You can set up enhancements if you wish that are going to really stretch and challenge and embed the new learning. You can set up tough trays that directly address some of the topics that you've been covering in maths. Now, also on top of this, we have Read Write Inc, which runs um, daily. The timetable is something that I'm going to share with you again on that Wednesday where I'm going to be sharing a video of my uh, classroom layout. I'll also share with you a video of my timetable. Now, Read Write Ink Phonics is something that happens every day in year one and Read Write Ink Spelling is something that will happen every day in year two. It happens at the start of the day and it's in small groups and everybody is doing it at the same time. The other part of the day where that is happening is on the end of the day where year two completes the read write ink comprehension screen a scheme and year one will complete the writing part of their phonics 
Obviously, we understand the importance of daily phonics that are systematically set up to ensure the best possible outcomes. And we've had some fantastic outcomes due to the real hard work, the fantastic teaching assistants at um, my school. And I really, really want to put on record how amazing it is when you get such a dedicated team working towards a similar outcome. But I will go into more detail around that and how it fits into our timetable on Wednesday. The final thing I want to show you is how I ensure that it's stuck. One of the big things that I've really focused on in this research when we're talking about continuous provision is long-term memory. Nothing has been learned at all if the long-term memory has not been altered. And I'm sorry to quote Ofsted, but it is actually a really, really fundamental part of what learning is. So to ensure that learning has happened, long-term memory has been altered, our school came up with something we call pink sheet assessments. Now it's not in pink, but it is an example of one, which I'm going to use in this first week, which is at the bottom of the sheet. Living, dead or never alive. It's a, almost a SATS-based question where the children have to show me that they can remember some of the learning that we've done. As you can see, that science challenge that uh, is about, is something living, is it dead or has it never been alive? So at the end of the week, I will test them by putting this in the provision and saying, look, guys, by the end of today, you need to put your name on the back of this and you need to have a go at this question independently. Remember, I'm using those cameras to see if it is done independently. And what you will get is an honest reflection of have the children retained the information that I need them to retain. Now, I have also done this where I've left it three or four weeks to ensure, again, that that long term memory has been altered. And also, I might chuck in something that we did last term and see if that has been retained. All of these things from the continuous provision, the enhanced provision and the adult learning challenges make up what continuous provision looks like in my classroom. I will go over the over the course of this um, series. I will be taking you through what it looks like day to day. So if you're thinking, oh, I'm not sure. Um, what this could look like for us. Don't worry, hopefully by the end of the week of this week, you'll be able to see what it looks like in my classroom and maybe think about how it could look like, what it could look like in your classroom. So next week, we will be showing you the outcomes of this first week, back of all this stuff that you can see. Um, we will, remember, look out on Wednesday, there will be a classroom tour and a timetable share. Um, but if you have any questions that I can answer, I look forward to hearing them so that I can try and make sure this series really answers some of those questions you have about installing Key Stage 1 provision um, at your school. Thank you for joining me and I hope this is going to be really useful to you. Bye.